This is the Power of Genetics podcast. In each episode, I'll be interviewing successful practitioners and impactful thought leaders in the world of health and performance. They will share their journey, their insights, and their best advice for us all. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe. Let's begin with today's episode. Welcome, welcome, Ashley Koff. I have waited a very long time and a whole bunch of seasons to have you as a guest on our Power of Genetics podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this. Everyone in my team was like, why are you so excited to talk to Ashley? I was like, just you wait, just you wait, you <laughs> listen. Right. So actually, we have been working in the same kind of space for, for a while. We're still trying to figure out how to work together, but we're working alongside each other. And I just love your work. So I'm going to start out by telling everyone that a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's a month now, we were at a conference together in New York. And I got to hear what was one of the most impressive um, presentations I've heard at conference in a in years, maybe even in a decade. And so I am so excited to have Ashley here to talk to us, not so much about the like exact work she's doing, but just to talk to us about your journey. And, you know, I always say like no one wakes up in the morning and they actually cough. It just doesn't work like that. So perhaps you can indulge us um, by going back to the beginning. You're a, just so everyone knows, you are an RD, you are a dietitian, but you're so much more than that. So if you can share with us um, your story and and how you got to be where you are. Sure. Um, this is yeah. This is fun. So uh, allow me to go on on a, that journey um, and just know that uh, my brand of communication has a lot of humor in it, uh, including laughing at myself. So if you find yourself laughing at me, I'm totally down with it. Um, you know, I think the the really interesting thing about me is that growing up, I was pretty much um, so I was really good at the ma- at math and science, um, and not very good at English. Um, and much to the chagrin of like my English teacher mom, uh, that was her background. And then my dad, who is a uh, pediatric urologist. And, you know, so we, we had a lot of science and uh, sort of healthcare in the family. Um, but the interesting thing was that um, for, I, I think, various different reasons, I was pretty much a total science rejector, like to the point of when I went to college, I went to Duke University and get a liberal arts education. And at the time you could skip one discipline. And I very proudly conveyed to my family that I was skipping science. Like I literally only went to science drive for a sorority meeting. I wasn't really very good at sororities either, but um, I just, I avoided science. And uh, instead I found all answers in advertising and in television commercials. Um, I love to sell things. Uh, I used to say to my mom, like, you know, we only had the four stations. There was like no cable. And at the time we didn't even have a remote. And so she'd be like, you know, oh, Ashley, it's a commercial on the TV show. Like you should get up and go do. And I was like, I can't mom, mom, like one day, this is what I'm going to do for my job. And I actually went on from college uh, to work in advertising and I created and sold sugared cereals. Um, So I'm super proud of the work that I did. Just kidding. But uh, I did learn a lot. I sold sugared cereals. Yeah, I sold. That's the human. Yeah, I I sold sugared cereals, hair color, and probably conflict diamonds. Like, I mean, there could, I I really think of, (laughs) I was pretty much at the lowest of low. Um, But what I learned, you know, and what I always have had innately in me is this this ability to sell, to market to people. And really, the, the way to do that was to understand at the core somebody's why, not just their what, not what are they looking for, but their why. And when you really understand that, you can help them change behavior. And that included changing purchase behaviors. Um, so for me, that was, you know, I think, you know, when you start to figure out like who you are, like that's something that just innately comes very easy to me. At the same time, and on the flip side, I was somebody who as a child, um, very early on had ear infections and throat infections, um, to the point that I ruined, as I've been told, like every family vacation with them. So (laughs) I was preventatively given antibiotics by my, um, you know, medical family, uh, on, on that part. Um, and, uh, I had, um, uh, what I felt was a large belly my whole life, like, especially in childhood. So I felt like I wasn't just chubby. I was this like belly laden child. Um, and that led to really like a lot of, you know, 
trying to like learn to eat right and trying to do it the right way and then trying to diet, trying doing all sorts of things. And then in college, definitely having exposure to people who did it really the wrong way. Um, but even they got better results like doing it the wrong way. Like my friend who was like really bulimic, like got, you know, she lost the weight. And my other friend who was using drugs or was using, you know, um, uh, laxatives or things like that. They are like another one who over-exercised, like they really got very skinny, like, as that was the desired goal. And even when I would try some of these things, like I felt like I couldn't even do those things well enough, like to, you know, to lose the belly. Um, and it kind of all came to a head while I was working in advertising, uh, having to go to Battle Creek and, you know, work on selling, you know, really important, you know, uh, sugared cereals and these sorts of things. And I would have crippling anxiety, um, like night terrors, couldn't sleep. Um, and uh, and I like in the hotel room and I was like operating on like maybe 30 minutes of sleep. And I kind of could never put any of this together. Like um, I would go to see doctors and they'd be like, there's nothing wrong with you. But I always felt like I had my, you know, stomach aches or, you know, why couldn't I lose the weight? And then um, the anxiety stuff, somebody's like, you need to see a therapist, but nobody could put this picture together. And so I tried a lot of things. And then I met this really amazing, um, and that is super sarcasm, a woman in my yoga class. So just picture this, here I am, it's like 1995 in Manhattan. Um, you know, I'm, I was a really fun, quote unquote, college kid, but afterwards I was trying to like help myself, you know, survive and and start to thrive as an adult. And so I had stopped drinking. I was going to yoga twice a day. Um, I was trying, like, I was a, not just a vegan, I was macrobiotic. I mean, I was really trying yeah. everything. I've done everything, that too. Right? Yeah. yeah. Trying everything, avoiding anything. Like I had given up my favorite food, broccoli. I'd also given up my other favorite food, chocolate. I'd given it, and I was throwing back soy lattes because of course, you know, soy milk and, you know, all of these, you know, and and whatever in that space. Um, and this, uh, in yoga class, this woman said to me like, oh, you know, I'm a healer. Like, let me, and I was so rock bottom and I do want everybody to take this away today. Like, I understand your rock bottoms. Like, I will never judge somebody for something that they've done in pursuit of health because we have so led people astray um, in having impersonalized nutrition and impersonalized assessment that um, and recommendations that I get it. And so my rock bottom was going home with this woman, paying her money I did not have, having her test my blood and stick it through a, I'm sure it was a Fisher Price microscope. Like there was nothing <laughs> clinical about this. And telling me, and then asking me a set of questions, um, you know, some of which were like, oh, do you notice, you know, life was tough at 15? And and I'm like, yes. And she's like, and do you, you know, it was hard, like you felt your stomach, all this other stuff. And and then I was like, yes, like you so get me. And she's like, well, you have a worm and you've probably had this worm since, and this is her diagnosis. So then she tells me that in order to kill the worm, you have to, the way we started out is you have to start with seven days of a goat's milk only cleanse. And you have to drink at least 40 ounces of goat's milk. By the way, when she says goat's milk only, I wasn't drinking water. I was only having goat's milk. So I'm like hook, line and sinker. I go yeah. and I do this and she tells me to look in, in at my poop because I will see the worm passing on like day two or day three. And she's like, you'll see it. It's like white and gray. And, you know, and this is the first phase of, and I have to tell you day two or three, I see white or gray coming out. Guess what? If you're only drinking goat's milk, like your poop yeah. is going to look like a worm. So that's number one. And number two, I actually felt like my tummy got flat. Like it was the first time in my life that I actually, while I was on this cleanse, I felt so good. Um, but I was like an insane person. I even took my goat's milk to the White Horse Tavern, which is a bar on the west side of New York, lower west side. I was celebrating somebody's 25th birthday. And I told her, my the bartender, I said, hey, can you pour this in a rocks glass with a, a, an ice cube? Because I don't want anyone thinking I'm not drinking. And he's like, you're mad. And I was like, oh, totally. I'm completely crazy. I was like, but I A, want to stay on my plan. And B, I don't want anyone to think that I'm any, like, I'm not cool, you know, or whatever. So I'm doing all this. And the crazy part was I felt great. But two days after, it's like anyone who goes back to like eating just whatever they were eating right after Prolon, like two days after this goat's milk cleanse, as soon as I go back to eating my regular food, my belly is back out looking like I'm six months pregnant. And I was just so like, you know how defeated, like we've, we've seen it where we've all been there. I was just so defeated. 
And what ended up happening was I was like, well, and I'm not going to curse, but like F that. And I said, so sure, I'm going to go to yoga, but after my hot yoga, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to start drinking again. And I'm going to hang out and just like, forget, like I'll eat meat again. I'll eat fish. I'm just going to like, I'm so done with this. Like I can't fix myself. So I was hammered in a bar telling the story of my goat smoke cleanse. And I had people like crying, laughing, like to this day, they're like, you should be a, you know, a nutrition stand-up comedian crying, laughing. And one of the people in the bar at that time happened to be, which is like crazy for 1996, we'll call it at this point, um, an integrative gastroenterologist. And that person like afterwards came up to me and said, hey, your insurance should pay for this. Has anyone ever asked you, like, can I just ask you, like, did you take antibiotics as a kid? And I flippantly was like, are you kidding? I basically freebased them. And they were like, yeah, (laughs) so we should talk, you know, on that part. So what ended up happening was literally, and and this is not like, this is a true story. Like within three months, I was, I would say 78% better. Like I was so much better. And the crazy part was they were like, by the way, nothing that you're eating is the problem. It's that your system doesn't have what it needs in order to process food properly. Like your digestive system. These were the early days. We didn't have words like microbiome and probiotics, you know, and all of this other stuff. And it was so profound for me in that moment. And it was like the marketing selling side of me, like talked to the like person who herself had always like had tried to be an advocate and like heal herself and, and who also felt all this shame around weight and like not feel, you know, and all of this other stuff. And it was like this perfect aha moment in that, in that uh, time. And it was like, wow, like you are here to help people never have to go on a goat's milk cleanse. Like, so that's like, just in oh case you're here and you're listening yeah. again, like never need to do the goat's milk cleanse, but to find their way with personalized nutrition and understanding that it begins and ends with, you have to have, the system has to have the tools that it needs in order to be able to to do what it needs to do. And that requires giving it what it needs and also avoiding what it, what doesn't help it run better. So it was like in that moment that all these light bulbs went off. And then I like, it was basically like, okay, I can become a dietitian. Like I didn't even know how to do this. And I quit being a dietitian like seven times while I was in training for it. Cause it just didn't align. Like yeah, what I had been high. through. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, like I, it I don't know where the mind mine was somewhere yeah. between five and ten, but it's it, yeah, you know, totally. It's I probably still quit, you know, on that part. But like, you know, in that space and time, and you get this, it was like, okay, I know that there's a way forward. The challenge that I have, and and that was in the you know the the mid to late nineties, is um, science, nutrition, healthcare isn't where I know we need to be. And so from that moment on, where I've been on the journey of Ashley has been like, how do I help? move things along so that science and healthcare and nutrition are like what helped me get better and what helps me every day, like get better and, you know, et cetera, is to consistently come back to personalized nutrition and this concept that like literally there wasn't even a definition for, and I had to create of better nutrition, like giving your body what it needs today so it can run better and avoiding what can irritate, overwhelm, and disrupt those efforts. And that's pushed me forward through a journey of, you know, a variety, like still selling things, but selling better things. You know, I've, I've been a spokesperson, I've written books, I've done, you know, been on-air dietitian for reality TV shows, I, you know, teach other practitioners, I, do, I help with marketing of businesses, all of that stuff is all around the same mission and this journey, which, you know, brings me back to we shouldn't have people investing in and hitting their in their health and hitting rock bottoms. Like we just, th- that shouldn't be the case. And we know it to be the case today. And that's why I think you and I are so passionate about finding the right tools and the right combination of tools uh, for people and helping them get the help that they need. Wow. Okay. So, so th- I did not know that story. That's an amazing story. There's a lot of places that resonate for me in terms of rock bottom and the dieting and the trying so hard and trying to fix yourself and just really not doing a good job. Um, but you're, I think, I think the good smoke worm story wins hands down, but you, you have this understanding now, like nutrition, we need to do better. You go, you become a dietitian. Um, you know, it's not a seamless and perfect thing, but you get a degree in nutrition. What happens when you come out of what happens between when you come out as with with this degree in nutrition and what you have now, which is better nutrition program? I mean, I get the better nutrition. I also now understand very clearly why you chose the name. You know, but how, how did you go from graduating as a dietitian to building such a 
comprehensive nutrition solution? Yeah, thank you. So I think, um, so the short answer is what I've built today is because um, I've been able to see what works. And I had 20 years as a practitioner uh, being able to work with other practitioners and with patients in a variety of different settings and to see how personalization can work. Um, and what I feel has really been missing is um, like sort of on, on my journey while I was doing as an indi individual practitioner, people like Dr. Weil, who I had originally worked with, um, you know, his team and learned from and, and collaborated on the integrative medicine side. And of course, Jeff Bland, who was, you know, founding and with others, uh, functional medicine, they were looking at the model and how do we how do we um, change healthcare and how do we you know help people understand that there we need a systems approach a root cause approach well what i was what i've been working on for 20 years is that and how do you do that and i think that we are at this place today where we we don't really need to know anymore there's no convincing i don't think like i mean there are people who just don't want to do it this way but there's no saying like we don't need to get to root cause like we we know that we need to get to root cause and we know that we need personalized healthcare the, the question that I have focused my career on thus far has been hacking the how do we do it? And after do, being able to do it in the individual practice setting in Los Angeles, working with individuals who were of means and, and individuals who were really struggling and in communities that were really struggling, I was able to show again and again how you help somebody and not just help them in a three-month window or with a couple of sessions, but like year in, year out. You know, I still have people that 10, 15, 20 years of working with them. Um, I have, you know, heads of countries and states from around the world and, and you know, representatives uh, in our uh, government, you know, et cetera. These people as my patients have now seen what, how that, this personalized approach can work. And so where I am today is that I, both myself and I've had others who um, have, which has imbued me with confidence, have said, hey, we need to scale this. Like we need your solutions approach to be able to help practitioners and businesses do what it is we know, which is this, you know, systems approach, this root cause, this personalized um, lifestyle medicine, integrative, whatever you want to call it on that part. The journey for me from becoming a dietitian uh, was really in the even becoming a dietitian. I think sometimes people learn by um, having the opportunity to have a lot of success and seeing how things in place can, uh, you know, how the 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 right answers and the right ways for forward, how those things are working. I had the exact opposite experience. Everything that I encountered in the hospital setting, legitimately everything I felt was not working. Um, and, and I'm not quiet. So I would also be clear, like, this isn't working. Like, what do you mean? I have to sit here and write the perfect note in a chart for a doctor when you have just told me that the doctor does not read the notes. And the nurses have even said to me, the doctor doesn't read the notes. And yet when I encounter the doctor in the elevator and I just say real quickly, hey, can you make sure that my patient switches from this over to this and here's my rationale why, I got in trouble. Like I was actually like sat down in the dietitians like that, you know, hey, you're like, go sit in the corner room because I wasn't supposed to do that in the elevator. You're not, your communication is supposed to happen, you know, in the, in the, in the notes on that part. Um, when we're cooking in the doctor's dining room and I, I didn't want to prepare a meal that, you know, for doctors that was 600 calories and probably um, 60 grams of carbohydrate or, you know, whatever for lunch. And instead I wanted to give people different options where they could assemble. I like, I got in trouble, you know, and that kind of thing. And when I didn't want to hand the patient with the the um, the same piece of paper, the patient who had uh, IBS with constipation and the patient that had IBS with diarrhea, and I just said, you know what, I have to hand you this paper, but on the back of the paper, I'm going to actually tell you what I think we could do for you. And I'd write it down. I got in trouble because that's not the way we do healthcare in the hospital. So I left the hospital setting and I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this in private practice. And what we what I learned in that space, and I learned this on, you know, whether it was being on television or working directly with with individual patients or going around the world and seeing how our, our food was grown and, and reporting on that, is that at the end of the day, if we don't help understand, it comes back to what I was talking about from a selling standpoint, if we don't know the what and the how, um, and also someone's why, we've got we we need to know all three of those things to be able to help somebody move forward. And so what I was doing was basically developing a system with each of my patients that looked at, hey, I'm going to help you understand the what, and I need, I need your help a little bit. Like we need to assess that and figure that out. Then we're going to talk about the how, and you're going to give me feedback. Would this be doable? But it's all going to be framed about around why are you doing this? We're always going to come back to your why. 
And as I put that together, how it led to the, ultimately the better nutrition program was I was just so ridiculously successful in my private practice that I, number one, was able to charge a lot. I had a lot of companies hiring me, you know, and, and other things. And, um, and then I was given opportunities to try to help scale things. And the birthing of the digital health era really created an environment for me to turn around and say, I can come in and do what it is I know will work with individuals and use digital digitization and digital tools to be able you know, to scale that. Unfortunately, a lot of what I also was seeing in digital health is as bad as what I see in sort of traditional, you know, my plate and recommended dietary allowances and some of your daily allowances and some of these other things. And so, you know, it's, it's now my work today is to be an example of what's good and better in digital health and also shine a light on what isn't personalized and what won't work in that space. So anyway, that's the, this, this That's, seems so self-indulgent to talk about myself. I'm sorry. I'm like, so I'm loving it. Onwards. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking that of all the podcasts I've recorded, I'm, I'm probably letting you talk more than anyone, but I'm just kind of soaking it in and I'm just listening. And, and I think, so my comment on this is, you know, again, as someone who came through dietetics, I did two years in hospital getting into trouble. I was kind of thinking we should, we should form a getting into trouble as a kind of group. Yes. Uh, all, all of us dietitians who got into trouble and I was certainly one of them and and left left clinical after two years um went a different direction to you went into genetics but you know was the same kind of coming up against walls so so what I'm hearing from you and this is what I, I really want to understand um you you had great success and you impacted your patients lives and you built a successful practice so yesterday I was talking to Erin Skinner, who you know, Empowered Nutrition, who is an amazing dietitian and is having great success and has, you know, six dietitians working for her and she's doing an amazing job. And I'm thinking to myself, why is dietetic failing when I'm surrounded by these amazing dietitians having great success? So what if the solution is so simple and obvious? Um, as you understand it to be, why are we failing so badly to impact nutrition? And we are, I mean, as a, as a total profession, as a complete population, why are we failing so badly? Yeah. So first of all, um, we're going to have a lexicon discussion, but I'm going to argue that dietetics isn't failing. Um, I think we have to look at the bigger picture and at the national scale, we are failing to help people get and stay healthy. I think that's the big picture, right? And, and that's the point. And we know that you can't be healthy if you're not powered by better nutrition like that in, in, you know, in, in that space. Okay. Um, the second thing, and the reason I want to have a lexicon conversation is failure and success is determined, in my opinion, by each individual. So I will hands down say that I am one of, if not the most successful dietitians um, that has existed. Like, I, like I'm very comfortable with that. And that is because I have a huge ego, um, probably, but it also is because <laughs> I've always defined success. Like, so at the, like I, my, my definition of success has changed and I've had, but I've, I've always said like, okay, this is what success looks like for me here. So let me, and, and then when I accomplished that, then I moved on. I was like, Ooh, I see another problem. So this is what success is going to look like. Unfortunately, where I've gotten to now is that success for me now looks like I really feel that I have to have a substantive impact on this national problem, you know, as, as you're identifying it. And so when you, when we meet people like Erin, we look at her and we see how successful she is. Well, the other, the flip side of that is I talk all the time to hospital um, hospitals. They cannot staff dietitians. Like dietitians are leaving in droves. And the reason is, is that the medical system doesn't define a role for a dietitian to do the type of personalized nutrition and dietetics that we know actually works in that space. So we're not going to stay there, you know, just like doctors are leaving and they're, you know, overworked and they're so frustrated by having to do notes and digital, you know, and all these other things. So I think that the, the field, um, if you look at the field in entirety, one of the great reasons that it's challenged and we see quote unquote failures and things like that is that they are failures of um, institutions or businesses not being able to deliver on 
what the healthcare provider sees as success. So if you're a business, there are a lot of healthcare businesses that only hold themselves accountable and see themselves as businesses uh, and their boards and their investors see themselves as businesses and they only are accountable for the finances. At the Better Nutrition Program, we are equally, and sometimes to the chagrin of my team and my board, et cetera, in that space, we are we are equally, if not more so, focused on the outcomes because for me, my mission, whether or not the Better Nutrition Program is super successful financially, my mission is to use it as a vehicle to show the country how we can be successful, right? And in, in doing this. And I need to bring that forward. And so, you know, I, I, I believe I have a manifesto for doing this. And I think I've, what I've built with the Better Nutrition Program is a, or in building is a model. So the way that I look at success there is if I am able to change laws, if I am able to change um, people's job requirements, if I am able to combat what insurance does and doesn't uh, reimburse for, these are going to be the successes, you know, that I turn around and say, okay, BNP, you're successful on that part, as well as if I'm able to create an army of individuals who are empowered, you know, to get and stay healthy, um, you know, based on on their uh, personalized nutrition. So I think when you talk to someone like Aaron Skinner, or you talk to myself, what you hear is like, we are very clear on and have defined what success looks like for us. The reason we're failing at the country level is that we have companies and we have a government who don't define success in the same way. When we look at our dietary, uh, both our dietary guidelines and especially things like the recommended daily allowances, we define that those there are to prevent the worst diseases, right? And like at the so 400 milligrams of magnesium or right. you know, deficiency diseases, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, Exactly. And not even metabolic dysfunction. Like we're not even designed uh, to look at and, you know, right. catch those triggers. Like we reimburse for diabetes. I literally, I, the number of patients that I have said, Hey, Ashley, I want to wait until I have diabetes because then my insurance will pay for me to see you. That was the message that I got. Like, wow. uh, like literally I want to wait until I have diabetes. And I'm like, wait a second on that part, you know? So in that space, we, that's the problem. It's because those entities define success not based on consistent outcomes. And even our, re our research world does things like just recently, there was a study that um, people were talking about and it like, and it got made big news and all this other stuff. And it was based off of four weeks. Like they're like, oh, nothing happened in four weeks or, oh, this happened in four weeks. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, how do you even look at research over four? Like that, like, yeah, I, like exactly. you know what I mean? It's just it's crazy. So your your question and the uh, the the question and the answer to that is, we cannot be successful until. And this is why I love what you do and you, what your company does, is we can't be successful until collaboratively we all come together and we empower the patient and the practitioner to drive such significantly positive outcomes over time that we can topple all these other entities, including those that are selling sugared cereals, you know, or who are um, legislating, you know, the, the new one in, in DC right now is, you know, oh, the dairy industry is finally going to be able to right all the wrongs and make sure that nothing can be called milk that doesn't come from a cow. And we're like, I'm sorry, coconut milk has existed longer than our country. Like, it's just crazy to me, you know, it's like, that's the stuff that that's what's keeping us like, so that's the, um, you know, that's, that's what's pulling oh, well, us Well, back. I love your answer. And thank you for, yeah. for holding me accountable on that. I think that that's extremely, extremely valid, you know, and, and I, it's almost like the macro answer to my macro question. And, and you say it's, it's, you know, it's a systemic problem. And what I'm most excited about is that you have moved your goals so high as to take on what is, what, what is kind of an endemic problem at government level and in the systems of, of, of healthcare. So we will be watching the space, but it does make a lot of sense. And I think the other thing that, you know, you spoke about at the conference, which I love is that, you know, we really need to be thinking about outcomes. And I think this is where the RD, you know, the, the RDAs and the plate and everything is failing us. You know, we need to be able to, or, or what you said earlier about what does success look like for you? Because I know that success for me in terms of health or weight or energy of things is going to look very different from for success for you. Yeah. I want to give an example because I think sometimes these things can see, sound very like esoteric out there and I'll, I'll give a practical example um, on that part. 
I work with a doctor who has a program, you know, so our, our company creates programs and, and we bring our coaches in on, on, on helping to uh, bring those programs forward. And he said to me, Ashley, I think probably one of the biggest health issues that we need to address is hydration. And I was like, I'm not really that interested, honestly, when he said it, you know, I was like, I know hydration. He's like, no, no, hear me out. And we started talking about absorption of water. And he likes to talk about instead of being a hose, you've got to be a sponge. And, and we started, you know, we went deeper into what does dehydration and being a poor absorber mean in a body that is like 90 something percent water, you know? And so when I started to look at it that way, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. So no labs required, nothing on this part. He's like, all right, I want you to do this test and have, have a few people do this test. Can you drink eight to 10 ounces of water? Not after just having a cup of coffee, but like, you know, if you've maybe an hour or two after coffee, drink eight to 10 ounces of water and then see if you can go two hours without having to pee. And I was like, okay. And I had, a, I had several people do it. Do you know, nobody, no one passed this test. Nobody could drink eight to 10 ounces of water. I'm not talking 32 ounces, you know, et cetera, on that part. He said, we have so screwed up. Yeah, so, <laughs> I would so fail. screwed up. Yeah. yeah, and the conversation became, first of all, our water, especially now that we're filtering water to try to, you know, because we're concerned about what's in and all this other stuff. We don't have, we don't have the electrolyte minerals in there. We also don't have the trace minerals that like do the work in the body. And so we, you know, we need to bring that in. And all we're doing is we're increasing. We went from like, okay, everybody needs eight, eight ounce glasses of water um, in a day from a hydration that we're like, that's not personalized. And then we're like, well, you need half your body weight in water. And we're like, well, that's not personalized, um, you know, enough, et, et cetera. But we have people where we're like, just drink more water, drink more water, drink more water. And they're like, yup. And I'm just peeing and I'm peeing and I'm the daughter of a urologist. And it was like, Hey, let your pee needs to be clear. And anytime you need to pee, you need to get up and go and you don't want to hold it. And like all this other stuff. And at the end of the day, when we when we help people become, we like to say be hydrated instead of dehydrated, when we help them actually absorb that water, suddenly everything else in the body can happen easier, right? That message alone, it's like helping somebody have optimal levels of vitamin D. There are the simplest things that we could do. And yet, instead, we're talking about have your plate be you know, have, yeah. have a quarter of your plate be protein, a quarter of your plate be half your plate be vegetables and a quarter of your plate be carbs and then drink a glass of milk or, you know, whatever, not counting the fact that protein can come from fats, can come from animal proteins that also have fats, you know, or, or plants that have fats and, and protein, yes, carbohydrates course, that have protein, like all of this stuff. And we're like, we're, we're creating, we want it to be simple, but we're actually creating things that are simply wrong instead of helping people just do things simply right so that it's just easier to do. And the thing that's different today with the tools, especially, and I do, I'd love to chat nutrigenomics. When we look at genetics, when we have uh, and when we have an understanding of who we are as a person and we can we can give to our body what it needs for things to be easier, hello, like drink less water, but have your body absorb it better, like it, and everything starts to work better. Wow, that's magical. Give your body the tools to be a better methylator and have your systems start to work better. Wow, that's magical. So we've just been chasing things in the absolute wrong direction. And we're not going to change at the government level because I've already tried. So we've got to do it through business. And that's that's why your business exists. That's why my business exists. And that's why we're all collaborating as opposed right. to trying to, to challenge each other. Yeah. And we spoke a lot about that. We spoke, we spoke about this idea of collaboration and how mm -hmm. how it's so important that none of us alone, no matter what our business is or how successful it is is going to be able to shift or, or, or change things. But when we start working together and we're all bringing a piece of the puzzle, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's why I'm not an academic. It's also why I don't work for the government um, is because I really do believe that as an entrepreneur and as in business, we actually have a lot of power to change things. And and that was my, you know, that was my why, you know, five years mm -hmm. ago when I started 3x4 of, I had a dream, I had a vision. And part of it was like, how do we, how do we help people make better decisions that are going to have that, that impact that you're talking about that really is going to move the needle. So before I move on to, I have some kind of end questions. Like I would love to get your sense of what role you think genetics is going to play in this kind of nutrition movement or better nutrition or whatever it is 
you know, however we discuss it, what do you, how do you think that genetics is going to play a role? Yeah. And I think genetics is bigger than nutrition. It's, it really is your healthcare, right? And so the, the, the win for healthcare today is for us to, as individuals, we are not meant to diagnose ourselves. That's actually not a win. I'm not looking for an individual to do that. What I'm looking for an individual to do, however, is to be able to have assessment available to them so that they can have that interpretation done with their practitioner in collaboration with their practitioner and have the tools that help them continuously to do that continuous assessment because you actually your body's always changing so you always need to check in on it how does that play out with genetics well it's going to help us to know how our body like how how our system is designed right it it just helps us know like um, you know, if you're building a house and you know that the sun comes from a certain, like the sun rises in one side and sets in the other side, then you plan like maybe what, where you want to be, you know, I want to have my bedroom on this side, or I want to do, you know, it gives us strategic ability to actually vet every situation that happens in our lives, every single one of them. So I can more successfully plan perimenopause. I can more successfully plan if I decide to, um, you know, be to do an Ironman, I can more successfully plan um, or address how my body is doing after a virus or after, you know, et, et cetera, because I understand the framework of my body. And then it requires me to get other information as well um, and, and work on things, how things are doable. But for me, what I've, what's been so exciting about following this space of genetics has been um, that it really is, it's so much bigger than nutrition and it really does help us see and understand how, how we're powered, like, you know, how our system's designed and, and what can power us. Now, the challenge that you and I both have in that space is um, we, we both recognize, um, I won't even call it limitations. We recognize the role of the tools that we can provide and the collaborative effort of who else is needed in that space. Um, there are, we are dwarfed by the companies and the amount of money um, and the interest that will want to do this in a shorter way. And the, what they say is they want to do it in a simpler way, in an easier way, you know, in a direct-to-consumer way that doesn't have a report that goes through something or in a non-polygenetic. And so let's just look at certain genes and not look at them collaboratively, et cetera. And, or look at genes and make a supplement recommendation and forget that we eat food, you know, like any of these things. And so the challenge that we'll have the opportunity is we've got this incredible framework. The challenge that we have is that it's going to be so misused. And that that's really something that means like your work is so important, not just as a company to be out there with one tool, but to be out there, you know, like we're doing, which is creating an army and basically helping shine a light on the better way to use this tool. And you guys have done that, you know, just even the approach that you've taken as a company starting off really teaching what i love about this is like teaching practitioners um, to use a tool uh and then and then as you brought it forward to consumers making sure that they know that they have access then that individuals have access to practitioners or to resources by practitioners that can help them interpret things to avoid these pitfalls uh you know these that these other companies are providing so i see the role as I mean, revolutionary, you know, I, it really is, it's a new way of, of thinking. It's a new way of practicing. It also will leave in the dust practitioners that don't decide to invest in it as a tool as part of, um, I hope over time it leaves the dust in the dust practitioners that lazily use it as a, a tool to just decide to like kind of horoscope somebody and be like, oh, here you go. Like, here's your recommendation instead of doing the work of, of true personalization. Oh. It's so much to comment on that, but thank you very much. I, I love the analogy of the army because it does feel, I, and, and, and using the word revolution because it, mm -hmm. it actually really does feel like that. I mean, I feel like the last 20 years have been um, kind of a revolution and fighting. I mean, there's a lot of energy that goes into trying to change a paradigm or trying to teach something new or trying to shift and, I, and I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I had a slide, probably didn't go down very well, but at a dietetics um, presentation where, uh, actually it wasn't just dietetics, it was all nutrition. And I had a slide of this kind of um, little cute dinosaur climbing like a ladder, which was a DNA <laughs> helix and kind of said, you know, if you're not learning about genetics, you will become a dinosaur in the field of nutrition. <laughs> so 
as I say, I think there's some that love my site and some that didn't, but I think what you and I are both doing um, is, is kind of trying to shift things and it is a revolution and we are mobilizing an army. We have incredible people in our teams and we work with extraordinary, extraordinary practitioners. And I think that um, we are seeing change, but I do think mm -hmm. we still, you know, we have, we have a, a long march ahead. I love, I didn't know that about you. Um, I gave my, what actually started the Better Nutrition Program as a company was that I was giving a talk to about a thousand mental health professionals um, who I just revere. I think they're, they're such a valuable asset. Um, but boy, it didn't come across that way because I asked everybody in the room who here recommends SSRIs, you know, antidepressants to your patients and everyone rate, like literally a thousand, a thousand, out yeah, of a thousand. A thousand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and a couple in the background are like, oh, but I'm on one, you know, like that kind of thing. And um, and then I said, oh, great. And so who in the room um, can tell me what their patients, like how frequently do you do you get a magnesium, um, you know, do you evaluate their magnesium as a blood test? Um, and every hand in the room went down. I said, well, that's okay. I said, it's really expensive. And honestly, just evaluating magnesium in blood doesn't even tell us optimal levels. So just if you could raise your hand and let me know how many of you evaluate how much magnesium somebody's eating, um, uh, whether or not they're on a magnesium supplement, if they're also on a calcium, what their calcium to magnesium balance is, are they getting an iron? I, and I was just being facetious, but I, and yeah. I was like, are they heavy exercisers? Do they, what's their sleep like? Do they have headaches? Um, and what's their digestive health like? And all the hands stayed down. And I said, okay, so um, I'm just going to tell you, I think it's completely inappropriate to prescribe an SSRI without doing any of that. And I'm now, the purpose of my conversation with you all today is to explain why. And everybody was really angry. Like you could tell, like it might yeah. be proud, did not like me. Like, and that, you, I mean, telling somebody they're doing their job wrong when you're not in their profession is like, not okay. You know, and there not were okay. all these- And, and you're tell. just, and you're just a dietitian. It's just- Yeah, I mean, totally, yeah. totally. And right. I was like, you know, on that part. However, at the end, um, I, the, the hands went in the air and I had hand after hand after hand. I said, I, I have time to take a couple. And everyone was like, can I get that tool? And I was just telling them about a quiz that I had created to evaluate magne somebody's magnesium intake. Um, and that asked all of these questions. Cause these are all the questions I always had to ask my patient. And I was tired of asking him the questions. I was like, let me just create the quiz. And that was how I created our, our toolkit, um, you know, in, in terms of, uh, asking those questions. And every one of them asked me, could we have that tool? And I under, like literally under Crazy. the, yeah, while you're standing there, I texted the guy that worked for me at the time. We were two people like, and the guy, you know, and yeah. I was like, put on the website, get your free magnesium evaluation. I gave it away for free. I was like, here you go. And all those people. And then they said, Hey, do you have a menu, a way that I can help people with magnesium? And do you know what magnesium supplement they should take? And do you know, and it just led, you know, after that. And I was like, Oh, I now understand it. Mental health professionals want to do this. They don't have, they the don't tools. know how, yeah, they don't have, they the, don't tools. have the tools. And that's, mm. and that's what you, that's exactly what you said. There was, you aren't telling somebody, Hey, you're dumb or you're wrong. Or you it's, you weren't trained this way and you don't have the tools. Yeah. So let me create a company that gives you the tools. And that's what, that's what you're doing. So that's, well, you know, sh shared approach on that part, but yeah, I think um, so. And I think yeah. that was, yeah you know, a fundamentally different thing about 3X4 is that when I built 3X4, I always joke about the genetic ecosystem that you can't just build a test. You got to build an environment and you got to build an environment that up uplifts everyone in the environment. So whether you're a practitioner, yes. whether you're a consumer, whether you're a business, you know, if you're not providing education and mentorship and community and great science and great engagement, you really don't solve a problem. And I think that, um, you know, that is always the trick. And it's, I think it's the same with the work that you've done. I was just looking at your website before we came on and, and how many touch points you've got in terms of changing the changing how people engage with nutrition, you're doing the same thing. You're not just speaking to one group of individuals, you're actually speaking to the, the full thing. And I think we've both understood that if we want to change something, we have to we have to address every element and every part of it. And a lot of that is around education. And there's just no shortcut. There's no shortcut. There's no, there's no shortcut. And, and this is where like, and um, I can, you know, I consider you someone that I like both look up to and also need to learn from in this space, because the challenge that does come about is that this also isn't something that companies, that boards, that investors want to reward. That's and that's true. the like that, and that's the problem, right? Like, so yeah. you turn around and you're like, hey, all this education, you know, it's is not something that we can turn around and have 
you know, have that be easy on that part. And I think that to yeah. me is really, I mean, that is the like, challenge, you know, what is yeah. the ROI of education? <laughs> it's yes. a conversation I've been having for a very long time. You know, I was very lucky to have investors who believed in the bigger vision and the bigger why, um, because right. you're 100% right. It's like, they, you know, most important is what is the ROI on, on mentorship yep. or, or and, yep. and it's, it's very hard. So yeah, so yeah. I, I hear you and I've been very blessed and very lucky and I'm very grateful to the investors that I have had who've allowed us to build this extraordinary environment with the kind of test at the epicenter, but really the, the amount of work that went into building the education and community and is is insane so i i've been one of the lucky ones that i got to got to be in this but um actually we could talk for hours i know we can talk for hours i want to i want to start bringing it to an end very mindful of sure. your time and i guess the the question i'm gonna would love you to kind of finish with is you know thinking about um practitioners no matter what their discipline is i don't think it really matters who are starting out on their journey they know health is important they know nutrition is important um, and they really want to be part of this movement. They really want to have impact like you are, um, like I've been lucky to, to be able to do. Like, what would your advice be to them in terms of setting out on their own personal journey? Well, so for the primary piece of advice is you are the only one who can define your success. So in the same way you talk to a patient about what's your why, understand your why, and also recognize that your why is going to change as you go through different life stages. I think as practitioners, one of the key things that we don't focus on enough is that we, we're the product in our businesses. Like, so in that regard, we have to recognize that there's this like, in inextricable link between our personal goals and where we are personally in our life and what our personal life demands and our how we can show up and what we can do professionally and i think that that you have to you have to know that and you have to be really firm with it because there's actually a lot of noise marketing to practitioners today to tell you how to do it. Like go dance on TikTok or, um, you know, you need yeah. a Ted talk or you have to write a book or you've got to have yeah. a program or you've got to no. like you have to know what success looks like. And then you got to have a plan that you're consistently assessing how you're doing on that plan, you know, tor towards your success. So I think that's going to be key. I think the second part is from the moment that you start working, pay attention to your zone of genius, what you love to do, what you, what like feels almost like you're not working, like what you just light up, what makes you light up, you know, et cetera. And look to try to protect as much time as you can being in that zone of genius. Now, sometimes there are challenges to that with what you need to generate financially and you know, other things, but somebody else's zone of genius and several other people's else's zones of genius are going to complement yours. And if you build a system that of support around you that allows for that, then you're going to be able to really enjoy your work. And you're also going to be able to spend less time doing the things that you're either competent at or not good at. Like I have a lot of things like, you know, I'm like, and you probably know this, like, yeah, in the starting, when you're running your business at the starting point, it's like, I got to do a lot of things that like, mm, probably not, definitely not my zone of genius, maybe not my zone of competency. How quickly can I move those over to people who are yes. more competent? Yes, yes, those, yes, right? absolutely. And I think that we're, we're, for some reason, we're both shy on that. And the other part is, recognize your professional training, your medical, your healthcare training, your degree training is not training you to be trauma-informed, is not training you to be, you know, uh, on diversity, is not training you to understand business, is not training you, all of these other things. So go find those other things in case they are part of your zones of genius. So I think it's a lot of exploratory work consistently to make sure that you're really um, I feel like from the earliest days, the one thing I can be really happy about in my career is that I've really, I've always been kind of led by where does my heart, like, where does my soul want to go? Like, where am I going on this part? And um, find other people that can help lift you up in that space. Don't try to do it all alone. It, it is absolutely Indeed. impossible to do it alone as a practitioner. Yeah. I think we need to write that all down. I think that was, you know, beautifully said. I was thinking, I was listening and I was thinking of how much you were saying applied to my journey and my career. And I think, I mean, I think everything you said is completely valid. I think 
what we'll find is that for some individuals, one thing might resonate more. Like you said, for you, you know, it was really about kind of following your kind of soul journey and, you know, what made you shine. For me, it was a little bit different. I think for me, it was not about, I actually in the beginning did not know how to align my personal goals with my work goals. And I think mm. it's taken me many decades and it's only really now that I think about it all the time. You know, what is my personal life goals and how do they align with my work? And and I think that's beautiful. When you can reach that, I think that's that's what you really want to be able to get to. And I think for me in the beginning, it was more about um, challenging, you know, learn, learning something new, being brave, being courageous, trying to find answers and not having them. So leaving clinical dietetics with no answers and looking for them. So it was a slightly different journey for me, but I think ultimately, you know, everything you've said is absolutely true. And I think everyone can find can find this place that you and I have arrived in. I really, really believe that. Yeah, I wholeheartedly do. And I and I do think that um, it just it morphs over time. Like, I, you know, I just these especially I just bow down to like all of these parents who are trying to raise their children and um, and have like invested in and learning as practitioners and want to keep investing and in learning about like something like genetics and all of that stuff. But at the same time, they feel like they need to like spend money and learn and have a coach for yeah. how to do marketing and like email sequences. And they're trying to learn how to like do posts quickly in Canva and like all this other stuff. And I'm like, stop. Like you have, yeah. like you can't have all, like all of these things. And it doesn't mean I want you to hire a social media person. It means I really want you to evaluate, like, isn't there a way to get clients? I, I help practitioners with this all the time. There is such a way to get clients without going through social media. Social like media. You, do, you yeah. don't need to do it, you know, but we, yeah. but you're being told you need to do that. You know, and you get, you can get into these vicious, vicious spaces. So I think the stronger that we can teach people to be and, and really take that human approach of, hey, in these five years, what's my objective? And what's my, what do I think I want to do in the next 30 years? Super important to have out there. But in the next five years, what's actually, what, where am I going to look up and be like, I'm a success in that part, you know, and that's what we want to, to work towards. Yeah. So it's, it's so is, fun to, to chat it. with you about it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, we might have to do a part two, but that was, yeah, <laughs> I need to, I, you know, and I just love your advice at the end. I'm going to sit and kind of ruminate and think about it a little bit more. But, you know, I, th I think there's something really magical about what you've shared there. And I hope everyone will will replay those couple of sentences over and over again. Ashley Carp, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing Better Nutrition Program taking over the world and really bringing us all into your space and really moving things forward. I've absolutely no doubt that that's where you are going to take us. Oh, thank you. This is such a privilege. And just to anyone listening, thanks for indulging in letting me like go down a uh, nostalgia path of how I got, how I got where I am. It's a good reminder. It's, it's important for all of us to do that at, at different times. Yeah. Have a chuckle about it too. Agreed. No goat milk. No more goat milk. I love that. Story. Never again. Never, Never again. again. All right. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com backslash podcast.